Hi, um, and welcome to Text Me When You Get There. I'm Anthony, and welcome to episode two. Now, if you're subscribed to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you don't recognize the name and you're confused, um, so am I. Uh, this used to be called Sunset Drive. I started that podcast during the pandemic, and um, you know, I started interviewing people from the entertainment industry on there. And then it kind of it kind of became bigger than I expected it to be. And then I just stopped doing it because obviously life went on, wasn't home as often as I was before. And then I revisited the podcast last year because I missed doing it. I genuinely love podcasting. It's very therapeutic for me. Um, but I stopped doing it again after one episode. I rebranded it. I was like, I'm going to rebrand. I'm going to start posting consistently. Recorded one episode with my friend Larry Saperstein, which you guys can go check out that episode because actually it was a lot of fun. And then I stopped again. Uh, I wish there was a clever reason as to why I wasn't posting consistently. Truthfully, I think it's because I always thought I needed like someone opposite of me. I needed someone to have banter with. You know, I need to have like a, a co-host or someone to chit chat through ideas with. And then I realized that was just I did not have the plan, the time to plan for episodes like that. It just wasn't feasible for me, um, which really bummed me out because, like I said, I love podcasting. And then I realized that my personal favorite podcast at the moment is Emma Chamberlain's Anything Goes. And it made me realize a podcast can be enjoyable when it's even just someone sitting with a microphone on a couch and just talking through different topics and their opinions on it and even though that sounds like a very jarring thing to do to just talk into the abyss for like an hour for me specifically because I have ADHD um, I still want to do it um, because I live alone and I have a lot of time to sit with my own thoughts and make inform my own opinions they might be faulty opinions they might be bad opinions or uneducated opinions on certain certain things but I certainly have the time to dwell on them. And um, yeah, I really wanted to podcast again. I had the urge to do it. I had the urge to have discipline to podcast consistently again. And so I whipped out a paper last week and I started writing down ideas. I was like, I want to, yeah, the, the next episode of the podcast is just going to be me, the microphone and a topic. And we're just going to talk through it. And like I said, Emma Chamberlain is my favorite podcast. So I was writing down ideas and a lot of them, you know, Miss Chamberlain already covered. So that was frustrating for me. I started writing down. I'll make an episode an episode about dating. Miss Emma already did it. I'll make an episode about drugs. Already Emma covered. I'll make an episode about alcohol covered. I'll make an episode about, you know, friendship covered. And I was getting a little frustrated because I was like, I don't want my first episode on this podcast to be, you know, heavily influenced by Emma's opinions on something because obviously I've listened to all of these episodes. So I didn't want my opinion to be influenced by hers, you know, and then I had this one idea, this one topic that um, I wasn't sure was going to resonate with many people. Obviously, I want to talk about topics. I'm 22. I'm going to turn 23 this year. I wanted to talk, talk about like the your early 20s and, and topics that correlate to that. And so I went on my close friends where all of those people are um, mo mostly in their 20s. And I asked, hey, guys, I'm recording a podcast again. And here's a topic that I would really love to talk about. But this might be a unique experience to me. Is this relatable to you? And the outpour of 
responses that I got on this topic was unlike anything I've seen before my close friends, you know, on there I'll post like pictures of dogs or like unflattering videos and photos of whatever's going on in my life. But I never see the amount of responses I did from that one specific story of me explaining the topic I wanted to touch on today. Now, if you're clicking on this episode, you know what the podcast title subject is today. Um, But I'm really excited about it because I feel like it's a unique um, concept that I haven't heard many people talk about. And I want to share my opinion on it, having heard all of my friends also share their experience with it. And hopefully, um, I don't know, we gain some clarity at the end of this podcast. This this is going to serve as therapy to me, too. So um, this episode's topic is going to be about what I like to call professional insecurity, but what a lot of other people, actually professionals, would probably call imposter syndrome. But I feel like even though dictionary, dictionary definition of imposter syndrome does line up with my, you know, uh, professional insecurity, um, I still identify them as two different things. And I'm going to get into why I think they're two separate things in just a little second. Now, if you're in your teenage years and you don't know really what I'm talking about right now, um, let me paint you a picture. Okay. So everybody started with a, you know, a first job, right? Um, most of the time it's a student job. Most of the time you got this job when you were a teenager or like really young in your teenage years. Now I feel like, uh, kids are starting to work, um, you know, younger, younger and younger, but everybody starts with their first job. And typically, obviously from a very privileged standpoint, when you start with your first job, you still live at home. You're still fed. You have very little expenses and whatever job you're applying for does not require a whole lot of experience, you know? So, you know, your first job might be working at a movie theater uh, for me, it was washing dishes. That was my first job. And when you're, you know, in your teenage years and especially when you're like 13, 14 at the age when you, you're allowed to start working, money is spent on miscellaneous, useless things, right? They're used on whatever junk you might want. And as time goes on, you build more and more responsibility. Uh, maybe you pay for a car. Maybe you pay for your phone. And, you know, you're still kind of counting your money, but most of the time, honestly, you're just like, oh my God, I have $500. I can buy myself this thing that I've been wanting for a really long time. So I feel like that's typically how we are with like teenager or student jobs or starter jobs or whatever name you want to give this job. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I feel like when I was 16 and I would get a paycheck none of my brain would go to, oh, I need to save 10% for this. So this is going to go to a car payment and this is going to go to my rent. This is going to go to the electricity bill. Like my brain just went, ooh, $400. Wow. Can finally buy that video game. Wow. Can finally buy that concert ticket. You know, all that money would go towards something. Anyway, I digress. So you have your, you know, teenager, student job, whatever you want to call it. But as you're having this job and working these shifts to make a little bit of pocket money, you're actively working on being able to work a job that um, you're betting on making your livelihood on. 
you know so if you're a student you're actively getting you're you're actively working towards getting a degree that will get you a certain job or if you're in high school you're actively waiting to get your high school diploma to get a higher job as well whatever that looks like for you you're just you know you're you have the job you're making pocket money and you're working towards something that you are betting on making your livelihood on that's where i'm getting at and you know once you are ready to enter the workforce whether that's after high school whether that's after you know, a certification, whether that's after, um, you know, years to obtain a really prestigious degree, we all land at this like start mark. And that start mark is LinkedIn. Um, if you're, <laughs> if you're a teenager, um, you probably know what LinkedIn is. It's, it's essentially a Facebook to get a job. And that's where everybody starts. And it's a little bit jarring because, I don't know who's writing the descriptions for job applications, but they don't they do not live on the same planet as we do, because if you're looking for an entry job for any sort of job, you know, um, most of the time they will ask for a, a certain level of a degree or a certain level, a certain level of education and then specific years of experience. And um, I don't know if you read the description of an entry job, but entry job means as soon as you leave your place of education, you're entering entry at this job. So I don't know where you expect those people to get two years of experience, but that ain't going to happen. But, you know, you start applying for jobs and it's difficult because of that specific reason. Uh, You either, you know, this is a message to anyone who posts those job applications, either look for experience or look for a degree because a high level of both you're looking for somebody in the 30s or 40s because you're not going to get both. Um, But yeah, you start applying for jobs and some people get really lucky and they find a job immediately depending on the field that they're looking for and other people have to wait a longer while until a spot opens in the field that they've, you know, studied to do. And so that's what I mean that, you know, I have these conversations a lot with my friends where I'm like, life is not a race, you know, it's more so of a walk. I mean this because like despite whatever education level you're choosing to get, we're all going to land at this point at this start line where we're like, okay, now I need to find a job. We're all going to land at that point. You just might start at 18. You could start at 20. You could start at 25. We all start off there. And then, you know, you apply, you apply, you apply, you know, it can take like a month or two or more to find a job and then you get one. Fantastic. You got the job. They looked at your skill set, your resume, your personality, your knowledge, your answers to all their interview questions. And they were like, yes, I want you in our uniform. I want you to represent our company. And that is an ecstatic. Like you feel ecstatic. That is that's an amazing feeling because now you've stepped into the world of adulthood because now now the job that you're having, you know, you're betting on this job to pay bills not just the concert tickets you wanted to buy when you were 16. This job is supposed to help you pay bills. You know, and I'm not just talking about your kudo, you know, little like $50 a month phone plan. We're, we're talking like big bills, you know, like living and, you know, Wi-Fi and insurance and car payments. You're betting a lot on this job. So you're very ecstatic to be getting this job. And, you know, you trust that the people, you know, you 
apply for this job because you you saw yourself as a good fit for it. And the people who interviewed you, they were like, yes, they're ex- excellent. I want this person to work for me. And so it's a match made in heaven. So, you know, you're on the eve of your first day at this job. You know, you got yourself a clean planner. You got yourself some new clothes. You went shopping. You got you got yourself some 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 new jeans from Abercrombie and Fitch. Ooh, you're looking sharp. You know, you got yourself those Stedler's multicolor pens and you are ready to write your you know, to write your life away. You got yourself your little MacBook or your little like computer in that like Herschel little sleeve or whatever you want to call it. And like you are ready for this job. You are decked out for this job and you are ready to answer, answer, enter the workforce. And so you walk into this job and everything is going great. You know, the colleagues look nice. You know, they got a coffee shop across the street. Great. You know, you're starting this job. Everything is fantastic. Of course, the training is a little bit intimidating because even though, you know, you've been preparing for this job and you applied for it and they saw you as a good fit, you still need to get some training. And that's always a little bit overwhelming, you know, because despite whatever field you're working in, everybody's going to do it a little bit different, you know. So you're, you're starting this new job. You sit at your desk or you sit in front of your Zoom, whatever that job looks like to you. And you start doing it. And at first you feel like a little bit like incompetent because like everybody needs to teach you how to do everything. But then you get you get the swing of things, you know. And then like every day you're not every day you're learning. I feel like when you start a new job, you're like a big sponge. You just like you you just like absorb everything. And then you start getting the first paycheck and you're like, ooh, okay, this is nice. You know, never got a paycheck that looks like that before. Oh, that's right. Because you entered, you entered, you know, your your job that you were betting on making a livelihood out of. You're you're making good money. You know, you you see the paycheck and you're like, wow, okay. You get an apartment, you know, you get a car, you get insurance. You know, have you ever shopped for insurance? That's a bitch. That's that's just horrible. But then then you're then you're like in full adult mode, you know? And then you're working this job and you're, you know, becoming like really used to doing this job and you're crushing it. And every day you wake up, put on your outfit, log into Zoom if that's your case, you know, go in your car, drive to work, grab a coffee, sit at your desk. You're crushing it. The numbers are numbering. You're successful. You're doing things well. Your superiors are telling you, hey, you're doing well. And you're like, wow, I'm really freaking killing it. And then you go back home. And I don't know like when this moment hits you, but it hits you. You're just looking at your place in, that you live in, that you're paying for. You're looking at, you know, your bank account with amounts of money that you are not used to having because you used to obviously, you know, give popcorn at the local movie theater. And you're just like, what happened? You know, you have this car. What happened? Well, you know, you applied for the car and then you got a credit check and your credit check cleared and you got the car. How? And then you look at your job and you're like, okay, I know that I'm good at my job. I know that I'm, you know, I see the numbers, everything's lining up and I, I see that I'm doing well. But like, do they know that they hired, you know, a 20 something kid to do this job? Like, do they know that I'm like, what just happened? Honestly, the best way I could describe this is it feels like you're kind of playing Sims with yourself. You know, you're like, you're having this like moment of realizing that you're, you, 
for the last couple of months where you got this job and everything was fun and you got the Stedler, you know, pens and everything, you know, you were kind of in your head kind of playing house. You were doing the things and you were applying and doing the, you know, the adult things and applying and insurance and cars and whatever. And you, you actually did those things. You adulted. But it doesn't quite hit you. You kind of feel like you're playing pretend. And that's my case. And listen, I've been at my job for a year and a half. And I still feel this way. Where I'm just like, it feels like I'm playing pretend. But you're really not. Because like you're logging into work and you're doing something productive that's benefiting a company. And you're being compensated for it. And you're qualified to do this job. But you kind of feel like you're making it up as you go. And then it hits you. I am making it up as I go. Everything that I'm doing right now, I'm making it up as I go. And you start to look around at people around you, your friends, your family, your parents. They don't know what they're doing either. I'm going to be fully honest. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Pardon my French. They do not know what they're doing at all. And everybody's just kind of making up as they go. And you, you, (laughs) do you know when you realize that you're kind of making up as you go? When you start talking to people around you, you know, you start to realize that everybody's kind of walking the path and doing the walk and talking the talk and getting the apartments and getting the car and getting the insurance and getting the what, but like there is no guideline and there's comfort in that, you know, People who become parents for the first time, of course, there's a bajillion people who will tell you like, hey, this is what you should do with your child. But there's no like guideline. There's no rule book. You know, getting your first place. There is no guideline. There's no rule book. Getting your first everything is a really, really jarring thing. And there's just no right path. Obviously, there's advice you can get from other people. But those advice are just you know, suggestions of things that they would do in your place based on their knowledge. But there's no right or wrong. I'm sure there is, but you know what I mean? There's no rules as to what to do when you enter this phase of your life. But remember in the beginning of the podcast when I was mentioning that, you know, when you were a kid and you had a job, you know, all the money you would be making goes to concert tickets or a video game or whatever that looked like to you. Well, then you land in a place when you're in your 20s and your job provides you with a place to live in. Your job provides you with being able to pay for your car. Your job provides you with, if you have a pet, feeding your pet, feeding your child. It provides you with some form of stability. And I think for a lot of us, depending on what we've experienced as teenagers, we realize that stability is fragile. And I can speak for me, I live in constant fear from of the rug being swept from under my feet. I live in constant fear of the things that I love and cherish and you know, have worked for to be taken away from me. But that comes from, you know, um, trauma from my youth. So we're not going to unpack that today, you know. Wait until episode 6 or 7 and we'll we'll get into that maybe. Um But, you know, now that we land into into this position where you have created stability for yourself and you have this job, you now know that your stability and quality of life is contingent to your performance at work. But wait, we just established that everybody's making it up as they go. 
And now you're telling me that this whole life that I've built for myself rests on my performance in this job. That's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure, you know? And so I, I would qualify a professional workplace as one of the aspects of life where it's almost taboo to admit that everybody's making it up as they go. I think another facet that would probably share this the same sentiment is becoming a parent, you know, having a taking a baby into this world, you know, putting it in the world and raising it on on your own or with your partner. I would only assume that you would share a similar sentiment that you're making it up as you go. There is no guideline. I don't care if you've read what to expect when you're expecting at least 20 times. I don't think anything prepares you for taking a child out of out of your hoo-ha and raising it to become a fully independent and successful adult. I don't think anything prepares you for that. But then again, it's one of those areas in life where it is almost taboo to admit that we are making it up as we go. So now you're landing in this position where you're working this job and you have the skill set and you have the knowledge and you were hired. So they believe in you performing in this role. But now you're coming to terms with the fact that you're that everybody's making it up as they go, but this is one of the areas where there's guilt in that. You know, for me, living in an apartment, buying a car, making things up as I go and just kind of going with it, I have come to peace with that because everything is reversible and I can mess up and it's like, okay, well, that's life. You mess up, you get back up, you try again. But because so much of your stability, like we keep mentioning, is resting on your performance there, admitting that you're making things up as you go is extremely jarring extremely jarring and I also think because now with social media we have access to everybody's success stories and nightmare stories you know professional success stories professional nightmare stories that were exposed to so many things and there's such a big turnover you know people are changing jobs after two years I feel like our generation just loves to start fresh because I feel like we are in a generation that won't stay at a company for a really long time when we see all of these things go and like kind of roll and play out, it becomes even more jarring to sit with your one job and contemplate your performance and how nervous you are and how you don't want to let the mask slip that you're just kind of like rolling through the punches, you know? So now that I've expressed kind of this situation and the phenomenon that I've noticed, you know, about, this phenomenon. I don't know if that made any sense, but you know what I mean? I, I'm scrolling through some of the messages that I got from me posting that story where I wanted to talk about this topic. And my cousin, Zachary, he is wise beyond his ears. And he replied to it. Uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because obviously, you know, um, he did not disclose to have this like revealed to how many other people are going to listen to this podcast. But he said so much to unpack, but hell yes. And we talked, you know, briefly about, you know, coming to terms with the fact that everyone's always figuring it out. And, you know, we coming to terms in your 20s that stability is extremely fragile. So my cousin is a male model. He is very successful. Um, He is one of the best in Montreal. He is crushing it. I cannot open my computer and not see an ad without him. I'm super proud of him. 
Um, but you know, even he'll bring it up. He's like, I, you know, one day some other model could come along and mix things up for him. And then that's a scary thing. And now people won't want to book him. That's a scary thing. Stability. You know what I mean? For me, I don't think I've even said what I do. Um, if you don't follow me on social media, which actually I don't post a lot on social media, so I'm not sure how much of my life you could make up from just my socials, but um, I am a brand manager, which is a very blanket role at this fantastic company um, that kind of serves as like a e-commerce creative agency so that people with a platform, so influencers, actors, celebrities in general, um, can come to us and we provide them with kind of like the manager of the project, you know, creative team, marketing, the whole shebang. So we can execute your idea of a brand from concept to a finished product. And we are best known for merchandise, but we do apparel and we do food brands and all of that good stuff. So it's a really, really stimulating job. And I love every day that I get to wake up and do it. Um, and that's what I get to do. And, I told Zachary's side of his worry about stability and imposter syndrome and all that stuff. Zachary was also like, if Zach, maybe if you're listening to this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think his, his goal at the beginning was never to become a model. You know, he, he had, you know, other aspirations and all that stuff. And it became something huge for him because he's incredible at what he does. So you can just imagine, and he's so successful at it. So you can imagine how crazy it is that he's, you know, feeling those feelings of like, what if, you know, there's no, there's nothing to back up those fears except for our own minds. You know what I mean? Um, and for me with my job and my role, um, I know that I'm good at what I do. I'm told by my superiors that I'm good at what I do. I take pride in it. I'm confident in my skill sets and I'm confident in what I can do. But there will come those days or those mornings where I, I that imposter syndrome hits me and I'm like, I have a meeting in my calendar and I'm like, oh, could this be something bad? Or somebody hits me up with like, hey, can we jump on a call in 10 minutes? And I get a little scared or worried and it's not backed up by anything. Just like Zach, it's like not backed up by anything. It's just our own minds playing tricks on us. Um, my friend Stacy wrote me a similar um, message. Stacy said, you know, no, literally everyone is making it up and there's no plan on how to be successful or how to know what the next step is professionally. Not even from people who have been working longer than we have been alive. Things just happen and random. And I asked her, I was like, Stacy, like, but do you feel like imposter syndrome? Like, how do you let me rephrase that? Like, do you ever feel imposter syndrome from it, even though everybody does the same? Like, do you ever feel like an imposter from making it up as you go in on a professional level. And she said, for sure. And then that led me to wondering because I've shared these feelings of like insecurity or like I said, this professional insecurity thing with my mom. Um, my mom and I FaceTime every other day and we catch up and I have brought up this topic to her. Um, because sometimes I let these fears dictate how I live my life, which is a very terrible way of looking at things. And I told my mom and she was like, Anthony, I am a year old woman. I'm not going to disclose my mom's age on a podcast. Mama is young. My mom is young and thriving. Um, but she told me like, I am a year old woman 
and I've been at my job for 10 years and my mom is killer at her job. She kills it. Um, but she's like, I still feel that I don't like for me that hasn't gone away which that's not comforting mom. But you know, at the same time, it's also validating, you know, that my mom, even, even after 10 years at a company, she's like, what if this younger person comes in and, and sweeps it up? And then again, fragile stability and this stability being so contingent on performance and this job and this income, it is a very, very universal thing. But then I'm, I really want to talk also about now that we're, you know, talking through this topic on exceptions, I'm sure there are exceptions and I'm sure there are people who have never experienced what I'm talking about now. Um, now that I'm looking at real statistics, yes, I use Google. It says that nearly three in five workers experience imposter syndrome in the workplace, meaning they often believe they are inferior to others or have faked their way into positions despite impressive accomplishments, according to a report from Indeed. Thank you, Indeed. Now, for me personally, I do not feel like I faked my way into a position and I do not feel inferior to other people. I just feel like I'm doing the same as everyone else, but I feel like for me, it's showing. I feel like everybody, I, I agree, I've come to terms that everybody around me is making it up as they go. Everybody's learning, growing, experiencing things and becoming better every day. And I think we're all doing collectively the same thing. But I think that everybody else, everybody else is hiding it way better than I am. I think that's, that's the way that I feel. That's why I'm calling it professional insecurity as opposed to imposter syndrome because in my brain, they are not the same. I also want to jump into, you know, exceptions to this phenomenon because I'm sure there are exceptions to this phenomenon and I know an exception to this phenomenon. So last week I was having a conversation with one of my best friends and I was expressing this, you know, phenomenon that, you know, apparently is a universal thing that I posted on my close friends and I got a lot of answers on and, you know, he's great and we love having conversations about this. And he said, Anthony, I don't think I have experienced this phenomenon because of the job that he works in, like because of the environment that he works in. Now, I'm not sure if this trans, like this translation of the word is correct, but I would qualify what my best friend does as a trade he works in construction so he thinks that because his job is more so like you know fasten this thing to this wall using this thing and this equipment and cut it at this angle and it's math and you can check math and there's a guideline there's a guidebook for everything um he thinks that because of those things, he's not feeling that phenomenon. So that would imply that people with trades would be mo like less likely to experience professional insecurity than individuals who are on a career path, which I think is probably not the rule, but could be an interesting factor to take into account. Um, but I don't, I think it, it could still happen. Obviously, like we just said, there's like a statistic that more than half of people experience this phenomenon but you know i still think if you practice a trade you could still experience this feeling of you know me being good like my the job that i built for myself all of these things that i got for myself a home a dog whatever the case may be is contingent with me performing at this job i just think what's a little bit um 
what he's insinuating is because he's working a trade where it's very clear what he needs to do when there is some sort of a form of a path in which you need to take um there's that level of stress that's removed it's a little clearer and you're kind of you kind of don't really make it up as you go as much there's more of like a there's a blueprint there's literally a guideline there's literally like a step you need to do this so i could agree with that sentiment on some level but i don't think anyone is really exempt from that sentiment because i think anybody in every type of work you know could feel that weight of like their stability in their life being again so heavily reliant on how they perform at what they do um and especially with people in trades like what if you get injured you know your dexterity and your body is so important to what you do so if you get injured you know that stability is threatened um anyway as we're kind of winding down for this podcast episode, I was thinking of like how how I wanted to bundle it up correctly. And I, I was thinking, you know, maybe there is a solution, a cure for this feeling, which I don't think there is because my mom, again, has been working for a few years and she still feels this specific way of like having some form of like imposter syndrome or insecurity. Um I don't think there's a there's an answer key, to be quite honest. And I base that conclusion off of the fact that my mom has been working for several years and even she still feels those feelings sometimes. I think, though, actually, I was on Instagram today. Why did I say it that way? I was on Instagram today. OK. And I saw one of my ex coworkers post something that correlated to this topic actually really well. And it was about not letting those voices in your head consume you not letting it eat you up if we're taking the case of my you know cousin who's a model and he's like what if somebody else comes along and nobody books me anymore and like things change and then stability is threatened that's his, none of this is backed up by anything there is no reason for him to think that's going to happen and obviously things are meant to change and things are meant to evolve and the only constant in life is things always changing but there's no sign of him to get worried about that kind of stuff. It's an inside voice. Same thing for my mom saying like, what if there's this like this next person or like I'm getting old or whatever. Like there, there's no sign of that happening, but it's all inside voices. So I think like once we let those inside voices win, then it starts to consume us and starts to affect the way that we, you know, perform and live through our jobs and it starts affecting how we move through life because we're always you know ready to make one step backwards so i think the the key and it's probably not one that a lot of people will like will be to just like not let those voices consume you and just use that as a driving factor to be more knowledgeable and use that as a driving factor to be the best version of yourself but obviously don't drive yourself crazy with it if there's no reason and you're performing and you're doing great and you're 10 out of 10 and you're being praised and you're being, you know, said you're being told you're 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 fantastic. Um, if you're still hearing those voices in your heads, they're just voices. And you need, I think, to just start changing that discourse a little bit of like, hey, I'm freaking insane at my job. I rock at my job. I'm a rock star. And <laughs> I know people listening to this while we're like, that sounds so 
um, intense. And that sounds like so such an easier thing said than done. And I agree because I've been on the other hand of that. But taking pride in what you actually today for work, I had to fill out my year end review of reviewing myself in the last year. And I stopped at the tab of like, you know, your strengths because I'm not used to complimenting myself. But then I got in a groove of things of like what makes me a good, you know, asset. And I started writing them down. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I'm good at this. And then you realize, I think like you get in this beat of complimenting yourself instead of like doubting yourself and putting yourself in question all the time where I was just like, wow, I'm really proud. I'm really stoked of myself with myself. And I think I'm really great at what I do. So maybe that could be great advice, you know, maybe that could be something you guys can implement in your own life if you're ever feeling that way of writing down and making a list of why you're so badass at what you do and writing that ish down and taking that in and changing the discourse of being like, I'm incredible. And you know what? Like I said, the only constant in life is things will always change and evolve. Sometimes it'll, it'll get better. Sometimes it'll get worse. Have you guys not watched Friends? It's, it is basically a comedy show about your 20s. You know, it, it, it's constant up and downs. And that's the one thing you can count on. So to always like be fearful of things changing is ludicrous, you know, because you can't control that. There's so much in life that you can't control. So just live the life that you live your life the way it is now. Enjoy where you're at now succeed at what you do take pride in that and i think sometimes it is okay to be like hey i'm making up as i go but based on my skill set and knowledge and all of these things that i have accomplished i think i'm qualified to answer your question i think i'm qualified to give guidance to this person i think i'm qualified to advise you on this certain thing you know because nobody's claiming themselves as, as an expert here you know, not even myself talking about this topic. This is all just inner monologue that I'm putting and recording and people are going to consume. Wow, that just got terrifying. Well, you know what I mean? Like nobody's an expert and that there's a comfort. There's comfort in that. And I think we just need to change the discourse around that and have more open discussions about it. And I guess this is why. You know, so many people when I was a kid, I didn't know what tenured was. As a kid, like I had no idea what tenured was. I learned about tenured when I was like 13 years old and watched Friends for the first time. And Ross Geller got tenured and he said, I can never get fired. And he was like popping the champagne and he was rejoicing. And he was like, this is the single best day of my entire professional career. And, you know, as a 13 year old, I was like, why is he so stoked about not being able to get fired? Like, you know, like if you if anything happens, you just get something else. Like, why are you so whatever? Now I get it. Job security, man. Job security is such a crazy thing. I don't want to like jump into all of those topics, but just like love the job that you're at now. Like I know for me, um, I just love where I, I am now and I love my job and I love my coworkers and I love what I do and I know that I'm good at what I do. So I just need to continue that discourse instead of letting those inside voices come through. Tenure does not exist in the field that I'm at and that I'm in. So I, you know, it's all just about using that as a driving force to always be the best version of yourself. And Yeah. I think um, this was a cool episode to talk through all these topics. If you guys want to reach out to me, I do have an Instagram and Twitter. 
It's text me pod on Instagram. I don't believe I have Twitter anymore. You can also DM me at Anthony's Graphics dot at, at Instagram, and we can. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this topic, and if you guys have tips and tricks. And then in the next episode, when I record, I can like read your advice and whatever on the topic we talked about today. And it is just such a fun thing to have a podcast. Um, but that is about it for today. Um, I hope this was instructive. I I know the end of this podcast was not like this is the solution and it's just kind of like this tough thing that we're all living through. But I think there's comfort in knowing that a lot of people are going through this thing. The person across from your desk is probably going through this phenomenon as well. So there is comfort in that. And you are capable. You were hired for a reason. You are great at what you do. You're a bad bitch. You're killing it. So take ownership in that. Well, for me, it is now 11 p.m., so I'm going to wrap up this recording. I thank you guys for listening so much. I can't wait for it to record the next one. And yeah, have the best day, guys. Bye.